From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Delighted to welcome back to John Hannah Meets, someone I've known for, gosh, quite a few years, the wonderful Stephen White, one of my favourite actors who grew up on the Isle of Wight, which is lovely, isn't it? it? It is, yes, it still is a beautiful place. So I want to sort of update a bit. You've got a movie coming out, haven't you? Yeah, Men in Black International. Yeah, um, it's the fourth in the franchise. Um I play two roles, I believe, in it, which is rather strange. I play just a, a bog-standard human, and then I am also um, an alien Are as, you? as well at some point, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm as intrigued as any of my friends and family to see what my alien looks like because I was, um, it's all CGI, so um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be in it. So, um, yeah, it's quite a mystery, but, but fun. It was a lot of fun. You did Flack as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did, which was written by my um, great friend, uh, Oliver Lansley. It was a really bold piece about uh, the PR kind of world of managing crisis for celebrities and, and that kind of, uh, that world. It's a brilliant piece by him. I did the pilot years ago with a different cast. And then um, I actually play a different role in the, I think it's the sixth episode um, of Flack. I actually play an American in it. Um, and that, that particular episode is a, is a brilliant standalone episode set on all set on an airplane. So I'd urge people, if even if, I know it's, a, it's quite a divisive piece because a lot of the main protagonists in the show are not very likeable characters and the world itself isn't. So I don't, there's, there's a weird thing of who do you root for, but I think it's an interesting look and it really lifts a lid on the inner workings of that world. And, and a lot of people are just finished by saying, oh, that's crazy. There's just no way that that could happen. Well, I hate to tell you that, yeah, fact is stranger than fiction. It must be nice to be in a series like Manhunt where nine million people watched it. Yeah, um, I, it was one of those jobs where the the end result is is a bonus. You, you the, the, the team we had from the, the production company itself, Buffalo and ITV, um, Martin was an amazing lead character and a, a lead performer for the cast and the crew, brilliant directors, and you're taking on such a, um, a sensitive story that it, it galvanises the team. Um, and, yeah, it's very focusing when you're on set and there are the pictures of Amélie Delagrange or Marsha McDonnell um, there and, the, and you are playing to a very heightened sense of reality because this is a, this is a case that is is still quite fresh and obviously was shot on location, which um, uh, I know caused some controversy, but I felt that the production team dealt with it um, very sensitively. So it, it was brilliant. And to be received in the way that it was, was really gratifying. But for me personally, I'd, I'd rarely had a response from friends and family like that of, for want of a better word, enjoying the show, but how the piece had been portrayed and, and, and how it had been produced. And so credit to everyone involved, every single person on, on that job. My good friend Claudie Blakely was in that as well. Yes. Because yes. her dad was in one of my favourite groups, uh, The Tremolos. You won't remember The Tremolos. Oh, I do, yeah. Oh, of course you do. Well. Yes, yeah, I'm a big music fan. And uh, yeah, my mum and dad are, are fans of The Tremolos. So yeah, I know them. Stephen White, I want to know, you walked in about 10 minutes ago and you look younger than ever. <laughs> What's the recipe I could do with doing that myself? <laughs> um, 
Um, well, not, you know, I didn't say to you, but I was just like, I don't know if your eyesight's going, John. Maybe you need to <laughs> need to go to opticians. Um, I, um, I don't know. Good genes. Um, I I run a lot. I eat very healthily for numerous reasons, for for, for health reasons, and also because I like it. I do a lot of yoga, um, which I am a big fan of. So I suppose that kind of balance of 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 overall health, mental health, and uh, and physical health um, probably plays a good key. Informer, two thousand and eighteen. That was last year, wasn't yeah. it? Sharon D. Clark, who recently won an award, didn't she? And Olivier. Yep, yep. And Jessica Rain. Yep. That was about terrorists, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, Martin Constantine played uh, a detective that, that uh, took the main character um, to um, infiltrate, uh, to, be, to become an informant, hence the name Informer. Um, and I played uh, the informer's uh, drug dealer just downstairs. So, um, yeah, I've done my fair share of drug dealers in the past. So, you have, yeah. Yeah, so just, you know, find a bit of variety within each character. There's always a different nuance to each to each role. Last time we met, you were in McQueen. Yes. At St James's Theatre. Yeah, I think it's two years ago, two Gosh, and a bit, maybe. I love years that. Ago. Thanks, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was an extraordinary experience, personally, for a multitude of reasons. And I think it's it's taken me a long time to... Uh, recover from that role I think was it presented its own challenges of representing a real person um, there was a lot of a lot of self-pressure on myself to, to, to do it for want of a better word right I don't, that, that doesn't really make sense to do it right because you, you just want to do it justice or you, you, you don't want to do it wrong um, it, it's, it's hard to encapsulate all those um, emotions and pressures that you, you can place upon yourself and it was a very stressful and taut production uh, for numerous reasons um, I had a great great support not more so than from my wife throughout it and and beyond but um yeah the ripple effect of of portraying someone that troubled and uh the the fatigue and the exhaustion you know I know it's um it's only eight shows a weekend but but I think when you're mentally emotionally adapting yourself to a certain place eight times a week that there becomes a cycle and I think that you you almost physiologically begin to place yourself in in those darker realms and um it's it's been a real learning curve about how to I don't know for what for kind of detox from a role um and uh, and get back and and get well and and feel energized again it was an exhausting um experience so and of course, you came on stage long before the actual play started, didn't you? Yeah, and I, I, it's my idea to do that because I was aware that when you walk on, um, the physical representation will overtake the storytelling initially. So I wanted to be there so that the audience could just get comfortable and, and get all of that kind of thought process out of their head they could stare and and look at me physically without saying anything going oh does he look like him oh he look, does look like him and I thought if we can just get that out of the way we can get them settled and we can we can hit the ground running I think the longest I was out there was the first press night at the Haymarket and I was out there for like 42 minutes um, and that's when you when your focus and concentration goes and all you're doing is sort of expleting in your head of asking people to please Kindly sit down, but without without saying it. Hi, this is Dennis LaCourier, the voice of Dr. Hook, and you're listening to John Hannah Meets on Isle of Wight Radio because you have such good taste. 
Stephen, you came through sort of school dramatics and then amateur dramatics. Yeah. That's a good route through, isn't it, really, don't you think? Uh, for me, I, I think everyone's route is different. But for me, I, I can't speak highly enough of the grounding it gave me and the training it gave me as a performer, but also as a, as a young person. It's funny, I was speaking to... Um, Monica Doolan the other day we were at the press launch for the the launch of Michael Longhurst who's the new artistic director at the Donmar it was press launch of him there and she's going to be in a show there and we were talking about um, just theatre and, and acting in general and we were talking about amateur dramatics and I was saying what I did on the island and what I'd learned and I think the greatest thing was you know as an adolescent or as a 15 14 15 16 year old I was I was hanging out with adults that didn't treat me like a teenager, didn't necessarily treat me like a child. I was, my views were respected and we would talk about all sorts and it didn't seem to be a filter. So the art world or being included in an adult environment where very adult discussions are being had, but in a very sensible way, I think it's really grounding and really important. And for me, it's one of the most important reasons why theatre, art, the arts in general, uh, whether, whether that be painting, sculpture, music or acting, it's so important for young people to be exposed to that. On more than, I don't know what the curriculum is at the moment, but if it's an hour a week, it's, it's just not enough. You you can explore a lot of what they're going through. You know, it's, it's an emotional time for boys and girls because they're going through so many physiological and emotional changes you know and now with the the, the acknowledgement of like um, gender and, and what it means and the gender fluidity I think art has such an important role um, to play to to heal these these things that people can go through through that time in their life so yeah in and, and from a practical level from an acting level you know you're performing to three people in a council hall and then you know one man and his dog I remember I did one performance where there was a drunk biker that came up on stage before we'd finished the show and tried to stop me with his beard <laughs> and you just think well if I can get through that I can get through anything have you ever wondered if you hadn't tried to sneak in at Medina High School you tried to sneak in to play football didn't you yeah to get an early lunch you say you were um, auditioning for the school musical but I just wanted to go out and play football yeah. earlier with my mates and um, got busted and then um, the rest is kind of history I had to audition for it um, I do I do I uh, did you have a career plan other than acting at that time no not, not really um, I think I've always touch wood been very fortunate very lucky that fate's dealt its hand with that instance and then you know, I only got accepted into Drama Centre London. That was the only drama school that I got accepted into when I auditioned when I left sixth form. I th if I hadn't have got in that year, I don't know if I would have tried again. There were other things that interested me. I still have a great love for cooking, but there was one point where I wanted to be a chef or I really loved oceanography. I, I don't know. I don't know what hand was pushing me that way, but um, it is a... It's a strange old thing, fate, and I, I, you know, there's a, there's still in in every aspect I think of everyone's lives, there's a lot of luck involved and right place in the right time. But I do always think of Miss Peck um, for chastising me, yes, and forcing me to to sing with a piano. Yeah, two thousand and three, you had a small part in Casualty. What was your ambition at that sort of time? What did you envisage for your acting career, really? Um. Not not a lot. I think you, you come out and you're just 
thankful to be working. And it's all so new and exciting that really it's, I didn't have any career plan. And I, you can be asked what your ambitions or what roles do you have for the future? And a lot of that is kind of weirdly out of your hands, unless you get to a certain level. And that's a very, very, very small percentage of our industry that can do that. I think that question becomes more challenging the more you work, funnily enough, and the older you get, because you don't have that youthful naivety anymore. Mm. I want to pick out one or two things. Fingersmith, that was fairly early for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. That was, um, I love that show. Yeah, um, that was uh, an extraordinary experience to go through from the talent that I work with, none more so than Sally Hawkins, who's gone on to Oscar nominated, and I, I've still seen her from time to time, and she's a phenomenal talent. Um, and it was just a, a wonderful show. And, you know, it is, it's another element of pride when you know that you have taken a great source material, the book itself, which was fantastic uh, as a standalone piece, and then being able to transpose it onto screen in such a successful way and, and play a role in that. Um, yeah. A Touch of Frost, that led to, I thought, Diamond Geezer was fantastic. Yes, Diamond Geezer, yes, with um, Sir David Jason. Yeah, yes. that was, um, yeah, that was, I mean, when you're um, working with Sir David, that's the first time, I think, in my career that you, you're working with someone who is recognisable, for want of a better word, you know, that I remember. The- and you gelled together, didn't you? Yeah, he was, he was very accommodating first series and um, had a lot of great advice and... Um, yeah, it was, um, I suppose, I, I, I learned a lot about myself, you know, um, going through that process and working with him. Yeah, and it was a, a great platform. Whites, you played Scoose in that, didn't you? Yeah. Because you said about cooking, well, that was based in the kitchen, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, yeah, um, I'm, I hope I'm not Scoose-esque when I'm in the kitchen, but my wife would probably say I am. That was just one of the most joyous jobs from start to finish. Um, still regularly see a lot of the cast, Ollie, one of the writers, co-writers, is, is, is one of my closest friends. Um, and, yeah, that, that will always, forever and a day, hold a very special place in my heart. And it still irks all of us involved that we didn't get to continue forward. But, hey, that's showbiz, as they say, and c'est la vie. But we had that time together, and it was very special. And, and again, working with amazing talents like Catherine Parkinson and Darren Boyd, Izzy Sooty, Alan Davis, and producers as well, like Michelle Farr, who I still see. So it's, it's not just the artistic endeavour of certain shows. Then you bond and you, you get family and friends from. And, uh, yeah, we're all, a lot of us are still very close, so great job. The Paradise. Yeah. Just I preferred fun. that to Mr. Selfridge because they were both set in a sort of department stores, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never seen Mr. Selfridge, so I, I can't I, I, I can't say. But, you know, I was in the paradise. So I'll say you're absolutely correct, John. <laughs> um, yeah, it was that was so much fun. And again, you, you, um, being involved in a in a large primetime BBC television show like that was just great fun. And I got to work with one of my great friends, Emon. Oh, Elliot, yeah. who played Mr. Murray, yes, because um, we'd worked together on Freesome. So I think they eventually had to not write any scenes with us in it when we got to the second series because we just couldn't keep a straight face from going and playing, you know, two men that had had a threesome with my girlfriend um, to classical period drama of him being my employer. It's, you know, it's, it's quite a stretch. John Hannam, host of British Radio's longest-running non-stop chat show. This is your. 
your life. Bluestone, of course, that was set in a wartime, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember Tony Gardner, who, um, who played the colonel in that. I think he said it on numerous occasions while we were drinking a beer or um, a juice, looking out at these glorious mountains or the, the coast of Cape Town or Table Mountain or the, the ocean. And he said, we'll look back on this and just go, what a crazy job. And it, and it was. And again, I've been very, very fortunate in my career to have these experiences of whether it be travel or working with a, a group of people that are just incredibly lovely. I'm still really good friends with so many of them. Again, we try and have reunions because I, a bit like when we did Whites, we were in Cardiff, but obviously being in South Africa for a long period of time, it galvanises you in a different way. There's a lot more socialising out of hours so that you've got company, but you can choose to do what you like. And again, even though it was a comedy, they spent a lot of time with the realism of getting the military advisors. And and again, that that allowed the piece to, I think, elevate from just being the kind of silly slapstick parody of what was actually happening in Afghanistan or what had happened in Afghanistan. Um, And portray it with a with an, a real sense of realism and and to be respectful of the job that the amazing job that the armed forces do when you look back new tricks sherlock may gray ashes to ashes you've done some mega series haven't you yeah i think the problem is you're constantly looking forward of what's next that can be a worry of if a job's coming to an end what when am i going to work again when am i going to work again and it's not that you want to live in the past but it is it is lovely to reflect back and sort of give yourself a bit of a break and say you know what if if I had handed this sheet of my CV to my younger self when I just graduated and said by the time you're this age you would have done that and you would have achieved those things I would have been more than happy and I I think in this modern day and age when there's so much scope or focus put on celebrity and fame on multiple levels of now we have Instagram and, and Facebook and, and what they call it, influencers, that it, it, it's really important that you, uh, as a performer or as a, anyone in life, you, you keep a perspective on your own achievements. You know, you, there's something to be joined in everything. And as you say, all those jobs, it was, yeah, what, what a crazy experience. And you've been quite shrewd because you've done a lot of stage acting in between, haven't you? Uh, you yeah. did Lady Killers, which I think won an award, didn't it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Um but I've I've got an amazing agency. A couple of weeks ago, I've been with them for ten years, and they've been incredibly supportive of me being picky, which is tough for both sides. They're they're trying to help plot a career for me to go and try and get certain roles that you need more notoriety for. It's it's a fine balance for me between work I want to do and work that I need to maybe pay the mortgage or. So I've always tried to hang on to my need for diversity and um, ultimately it'll be me performing, it'll be me going through that process. So I I want to feel um, enriched by it ultimately um, and I want to commit to it and and enjoy it and touch wood, you know, I would say probably nearly every single one of my experiences has been wholly rewarding in some way. You're going to the... Donmar Warehouse Theatre soon, aren't you? Yes, um, we start rehearsals May 13th. Uh, Michael Longhurst um, has just announced the new artistic director, so I'm, I'm really fortunate to be part of his opening production there, which is Europe. A 
very apt piece for our time. Um, it was written in the late 90s, uh, 98 or 99, I believe. And I won't say too much about the plot because people should come and see it. But it is when we I, I met with Michael and some other actors and he wanted to hear it read aloud. And then that's how I got offered the part. Um, but reading the piece, you, it felt so necessary for now and it was quite frightening that something that actually was written when you think about it almost at the height of new labor is is a complete comment of where we are now and how we feel about immigration or still the loss of industry in more rural britain so i i cannot wait to michael is an incredibly exciting director and uh, they've just announced like his creative team and uh, the designers and uh, the movement director i'm really excited to work with so yeah, lucky boy, can't wait. Do you ever go back to the Isle of Wight much? I know your in-laws live on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, you? yeah, um, we try and go back uh, when we can, really, to get some good clean air. Um, and the dog loves it, our dog, Ozzy. Um, uh, and it's it's a wonderful place. I've still got some friends there as well. My friend Ben, who I love to see. He's my oldest friend. I've known him since I was six. Um, so I love to try and see him. He's back there now with um, his wife and two young girls. Um it's i i love it but i don't love the ferries because they, they they have a monopoly i'm probably i don't want to get on my political soapbox but yeah i i i feel for that island because i think it's i think it's being strangled by greed from the ferry companies and i think it's it's a really difficult balance because it is an absolute gem of britain that could be easily spoilt the more accessible it could be but I think it's proving a really t- challenging place for a lot of people to make a living uh, in because of the constraints that those ferry companies put on it, cancelling ferries at the last minute, the rising prices, extortionate prices. Um, and I, that, that is my great frustration for it. But I still love it. And I, you know, it will always have an incredibly special place in my heart. I brought a book for you. I saw this, yeah. You're in it. There's a chapter on you. And it says that a young lady that you were at school with at Grange Road, she rang me up once and said, or her mum rang me up and said, my daughter's been watching TV and she saw a guy who was in the same class at Grange Road. That's how we got together. Amazing. Because you went to Grange Road, I did, yeah. So did I. Oh, did you? Yeah. We've probably talked about it. I must have forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Grange Road, yeah. My one memory of like Grange Road is other than the the ancient swimming pool they used to have there it's changed so much now but it was um that we played a football match and it was it was like something from a film where you had all the kids who were really good at football against all the kids who were just terrible at physical activity and we won on penalties and we were only like six or seven but for me it was like the the great escape or escape to victory you know it was just <laughs> Are you into football or not, really? Uh, no, I used to play rugby. I I'm, I love my running now. That's my big yeah. thing. I'm a West Ham United supporter, but I, I watch it. My wife will be like, I oh, know you are into football. I love like the Guardian football podcast and things, but I think with anything with sport, the more money that's being put into it, the, the greater the disparity between the people that support the clubs and watch it and, and the people that run them. I think there is no greater example at the moment than Man City and PSG about the the murky dealings of their mm. ownership. Um, mm. And it's it's a shame because, you know, it's the spectacle that kind of washes over the reality of, of, of kind of where the money comes from. Going 
back to the Isle of Wight. Obviously, Sheila Hancock was born there. Jeremy Irons was born there. Yeah. Phil Jupiter was born there. Brian Murphy was born there. You grew up there. Laura Michelle Kelly grew up there. Yeah. Marius Goring, who was a very old, famous actor from the Red Shoes, he was born on the Isle of Wight. Wow. So it's been a, a, a sort of fund of talent over the years, hasn't it, really? I don't know what what it's like to grow up there now. I imagine it's almost kind of the same, but there's a there's a wonderful, safe freedom that my parents felt that their children could have, my, myself and my brother, that I don't know if you get in cities and that element of both freedom. There's always that thing of small rural areas. They always have that pull, especially, I think, surrounded by the sea, but they always have those pulled people that grew up there but when you're young you can't wait to get away because it's boring um but when you get older that's that peace and calm that beauty is what you you actually strive for later on so it it comes full circle do you watch victoria or not no it was quite interesting as we speak last sunday because it was at osborne oh right yeah 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 and they showed what was reputed to be Osborne Bay. The only problem was there were cliffs there and a cave there. <laughs> Someone hadn't really done their homework. No, exactly. <laughs> so if you actually went, you'd be really disappointed now you if you went to Osborne would. Bay. Yeah, either that or you think the actors were really tiny. Yes. And they got the scale wrong. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Stephen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'd like to thank Electric Airways Studio in London for giving us the room to chat. Yes, very kind of them. I followed your career with uh, great interest over the years and congratulations on what you've achieved. Thank you. And I know there's lots more to come. And best of all, Stephen White, you're a true islander. You're just a nice guy. Thanks, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. I always look forward to it. And when I received your email a few weeks ago, it was it was lovely. And, uh, yeah, it's always a delight to chat to you. So, I re- And I really appreciate you just following me for, for all these years. It's really special. So thank you, John. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, mate. John Hannum can't cook, won't cook, but what a sexy voice. Grateful thanks, as ever, to Stephen White. The play, which is at the Donmar Warehouse called Europe, runs from the 20th of June until the 10th of August. Other than Stephen in the production are Billy Howell, Faye Marseille, Kavork Malikian and Shane Zazar. I think that's the end of the show, or is it? John, your show is fabulous, as always. And now we're at the end, and I've loved being in your oh, bird, you naughty boy. <laughs> yes, but I'm not as young as I used to be. We don't do old. <laughs> You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.